Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back. Welcome to the show. It's Action Movie Anatomy here on a Wednesday afternoon. And holy smokes, do we have a special guest for you today. Somebody who created some of the greatest films in our genre movies you guys love. We have a special guest we can't wait to break down for you. We'll see you guys in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Oh, What's yeah. up, everybody? I don't know if you like Still Dre, Mr. Cohen, but we love Still Dre in here. We're here. We're back. It's Wednesday. It's Action Movie Anatomy time. That was one of your better intros. Oh, thank you. I yeah, appreciate we, that. We had a look at each other. We're like, wow. Yeah. And I was like, I was surprised. One yeah. take wonder. Yeah. yeah I really, I really amped it up. You know, it's an action movie show. It's an action movie episode. And it's an action-packed day. We've got Mr. Rob Cohen. I'm just going to start right out. With action it. movie legend in here. Wow. Yeah. In the studio. You guys are looking at us and you're thinking, you know, I thought you guys were going to talk about Annihilation this week. Well, we had a very special guest coming on, and we decided we had to just talk. We had to talk Hurricane Heist. We had to talk Fast and Furious, Triple X, Daylight, Dragon. Some, oh my God, some of my favorite Dragon. movies ever. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we're very excited to have you. Thank you. I'm glad. Thank to you. Be here. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to start this off right away with. Um, so Ben and I have a history. So Ben and his dad. What, you want to? You want to tell yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of okay. the running themes on this show is that uh, I grew up and with a dad that loved action movies. So huh. I saw a lot of movies. A very enlightened father. Yeah. <laughs> in the '90s, he would take me to the theater on Fridays a lot. So I saw Daylight in 1996 when I was eight years old uh, in the theaters <laughs> and yeah, uh, right. <laughs> destroyed your uh, oh. your your mental state for all time. I loved it. I loved it. I was the whole week, we're going to get these people to daylight. Yeah. I was walking around school all week. <laughs> going to get these people yeah. <laughs> so. For me, it was the exact opposite. I was raised by a single mother and three sisters, and so for me, it was Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, because my mom has been in love with Bruce Lee her entire life. So for me, it was a much different experience. We we were at the theater. We got a nice bucket of popcorn, <laughs> and we, we watched it. We cried a little bit together, and we left there, and I, yeah. I, I started doing Taekwondo yeah. Like yeah. almost all immediately right. afterwards. All yeah. right. Right. Yeah. Well, so, you want your films to reach yeah. out there oh, to yeah. the unknown and have an effect. You'd, oh, yeah. You, even if it's just sheer hate. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> never, never. I mean, this podcast exists based on the, the kind of movies you've made. So, yeah. uh, so here we are, guys. It is Action Movie Anatomy on a Wednesday afternoon. We're talking, uh, we're talking action movies. We talk movies on the Popcorn Talk Network, the only network talking all things movie-related and pop culture by the Bucketful. And uh, Rob Cohen... Uh, has directed some incredible movies. We've just started talking about. You have a movie coming out uh, this next weekend. Yeah, yeah, uh, March 9th. Yeah, yeah. March 9th. A week from this weekend. Yeah, Hurricane Heist. So uh, I've seen the billboards. I've seen it all over the place. Andrew and I were lucky enough to watch it. Super yeah. secret, guys. We can't give anything away. I'm sorry. can't tell you anything about it. But what we can tell you <laughs> is it involves a hurricane and, it, a yeah, heist. and a heist. And we've got four rules. That the movies on this show must follow. Yes, and absolutely. Those rules are as rule number one: the hero always plays by their own rules. And Maggie Grace, yeah, of course, definitely plays by her own rules. Yes, I mean, yes. I think, I think that's kind of a staple in action movies for the most part. Yeah, that they, the hero has to be the one person's like, I'm not going to listen to what anyone else the hell says. I'm going to do whatever the hell she I want. She takes matters into her own hands. A strong female character. Yeah. Uh, rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you, in the room. <laughs> I mean, she's very smart. It's interesting because, like, she, when you have a disaster element, right? It's like nature is. The the smartest thing in the room yeah. in some ways. Yeah. You kind of have to play around it, but I will say, I mean, she's definitely the smartest person in the room. That's why they have to, they have, they have, that she's involved. Right. You know, we have to say as little as possible. And the villain, he's pretty He's pretty damn good. Ralph yeah. Ineson, yeah. Yeah. yeah, from The Witch. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which no. I love The Witch. That was one of the well, creepiest movies. You know, I've seen. <laughs> you always have a hunger to, to somehow reanimate 
Alan Rickman. Yes, right. Of course, but he's not here. Yeah. Yep. And when I saw the witch, and I saw this tall British, yeah, guy with a deep voice, I thought, well, this is a this is a shade of Alan Rickman because he's intelligent, right. and and he has this stature of of a guy who is very imposing. You know. Can scare you just by physical his physical self reminds me a little of Jason Isaacs. That's another yeah, guy. He, yeah. He's got a well, similar. Well, I, I started Jason Isaacs in Dragonheart. Yeah, really? Yeah, Dra- oh, God, Dragonheart played yeah. Felton. You yeah, know, okay, sure. David Thewlis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obsequious sidekick. Yeah, and we're gonna get into you starting people's careers. Yeah, essentially, we have a whole... you've started some duos and some some skyrocketed some massive A list star careers. Uh, yeah, we love we, we love Isaacs in uh, in the Patriot. That's right, uh, is, yeah, yeah, that's our the, favorite. Yeah. Well, he was the most malevolent. So he's evil. so evil. Kill me before the war, will you? Yeah, yeah. he was just <laughs> horrible. Our favorite thing actually is Tom Wilkinson talking about Tavington. Damn him! Damn, damn him. that man! Damn that man! Yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> us. So uh, and, and, and rule number four. Or the uh, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion, and uh, absolutely, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an yeah. And, and honestly, with the hurricane, I feel like everything is an explosion. Yeah, so you know, we're gonna. Well, we blew up a few things. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. blew up a gas station. We blew up a truck. Spoiler alert. You know, yeah, we, we blew up a number of things because I I don't feel right if you don't. And my special effects team, they yeah. they look at me like. Uh, They've, you know, I I brought them a beautiful woman, and at the last minute, I took it away. Right, right. You know, what? Where's the explosion? What, what happened to the explosion? Do you ever get over it? Like the that just like the giant explosions just decimating things? Never? No, no. <laughs> I love it. I love it, and it's so much fun to plan these explosions because yeah. you have explosions within the explosion. Sure, right. So you're cannoning trucks, and you're right. creating chain reactions and stuff. And the day you do it, it's it's always a happy day. Right, it's got to be incredibly exciting, and, and, and I love that we have the stamp of approval that every movie has to complain contain an explosion. Yeah, oh, he yeah. said it himself. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's not right if unless it, it happens. If, oh, yeah. if you don't contain an explosion, you're the king's speech. Yeah, yeah. sure. Right, you yeah. might win Best Picture, but you will be forgotten. But you won't be Inception. You're yeah, right. That's you won't. right. Exactly. Nothing is Inception. Inception yeah. was a masterpiece. The movie's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, we we both I think agree that that's the. That's the that's the premier Nolan movie. I know a lot of people yeah. like Dark Knight. That's no, a great. No, movie. no, I think Inception. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. So usually on the show, the next thing that we do, yeah, is we get into thesis statement, but we have to watch the trailer to the film first. Uh, so coming up today on the show, before you know, if we get to the trailer. Let me know. We've got uh, the fist pumps of Rob's career. We have uh, the Hollywood party scenario. If you're pitching a movie, who's going to be your wingman star <laughs> to pitch a movie? Yep. Uh, we can't wait to talk to you about that one and a few other fun fan questions thrown in there. As well, uh, I should probably remind everybody that you can follow along on social media. We got oh, so wrapped yeah. up, we forgot to even do it. So you can follow me at Ben Bateman Media. You can follow at Andrew. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy. You can find the podcast at AMA Podcast. And, I mean, this is Rob Cohen, so he doesn't really need much of an introduction. You can find him on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can find him in movie theaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can find him in Blockbuster. Oh, yeah, poor Blockbuster. Poor Blockbuster. Yeah. All right, let's queue up this trailer. Which is, trailers are a staple of Ben and my's friendship. Yeah. Love Love it. 600 million buffaloes. It's all here with about 300 million of its cousins. It's your responsibility. I'm all right at babysitting old money. We're on lockdown due to the storm. Come on, man. That's the thing. How we can comment on this without giving anything away. Yeah, I know. It's only exactly the screen. This is not good. (laughs) No. Treasury's being robbed. Where is she? They need me. I'm the only one with the code. We gotta go get my brother. I need your help. 
Let's go save the world. What in the hell? Well, I am a citizen of Alabama. <laughs> classic, classic action movie yeah. characters. Oh yeah. yeah. You fall in love with him in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew today was going to be. <laughs> Slow down. And the yeah, the yeah, scorpions, scorpions the of course, yeah. yeah. Here comes the horse part. Here goes nothing. You better hope not. Yeah, that scene. Uh, yeah, was good. <laughs> Hell of a day, ain't it? Hell of a day. Hell of a day. I'm glad that he says it in the trailer. Yeah, yes, right? That was my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It, it is funny. We've done... Just when you thought it was I over. Just when you right? thought it was over. Now it's over. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been obsessed with Hurricane since I was a kid. Um, Probably since seeing Twister out of it. Yeah, of course. It was the thing. Yeah. I, it, I was, so what I was going to say a little preemptively was that it's funny. We've done over 120 episodes of this show now, yeah. something like that. Wow. And we've, we've actually never had the director of a film come on before a film was released. Because so much of the show originally when we launched it was retrospective. We did I a see. lot of old movies. That was kind of the premise. There's a lot of coverage for new films, but we did a lot of old ones. And so uh, we don't often get to we have this experience where we can't talk about the thing we just watched. We can just talk about it, it was awesome. So, so uh, usually the next thing that we do on the show is we have a section that's called Thesis Statement. And uh, what that is, is it's basically it's a bold thought that's based in hyperbole. It's something, if you were at a party... Yeah, it's kind of like if you got into a conversation about a movie at a party, you would say to the person, you know, the thing about this movie is this, and this would be your strongest point. Uh, and I think you and I both pretty much uniquely agreed about this film. Yeah, and, it, and, and, and we can't really give our true thesis statement on because we don't want to give away anything about the film, but what we can do is to say that there is no director more suited to make this movie based on your success in both heist films and disaster films. Both critical and financial success in these genres means that there's nobody more suited to make this movie than you. You are the expert. You are truly the expert. <laughs> well, I'm glad it came to me. Yeah. You know, it was a 20-year-old script, and it had that idea in it of a, of a heist that's trying to be pulled off under the hur- cover of a hurricane. And I thought, that's a very unique idea, and, you know, I think I can build on that with a new attitude towards sure. the story. So, you know, uh, I I was happy to jump in with two fists. So when that happens, when you talk about it's a, it's a script that's 20 years old and the, the sort of the genesis of these things, when it starts to actually get going 20 years later, do you still feel connected to it in the same way you did when it started or it's totally different at that point? N- well, no, it had to be reimagined. Sure. You know, I didn't create it 20 years ago. It, it Somebody else did, but... When it came to me, I went, here's a great idea, because you take the action genre and you're always trying to figure out a new way to make a film dynamic, uh, kinetic, and and explosive, uh, and also connect with an audience. Original. You know, original. So how do you reinvent it? Well, in this case, you have to now reinterpret it in a Category 5 hurricane. So a gun sure. battle is not just a gun battle because as you're having a shootout, crap's flying around right. and you take your head right. off. Sure. Right? So now that gun battle becomes much more complex. Yeah. You know, a hubcap becomes a weapon. Becomes a weapon, yeah. right? Right. Everything that you can think of, a pressure inversion saves them and and un- unhinges the, the, the villains at that point point so you're reinventing and you're saying well here's a hostage situation 
How do I get out of it? Mm-hmm. All right, I'll create a pressure inversion that'll blow everybody out. Right, off the which roof was a the, really, really cool scene. You see yeah. a hint of it there in the trailer. And so you talk about balance. And what I want to talk about is the balance of using the hurricane as a villain and as kind of a hero. Because it really does, throughout the film, you've got to find this this, this true balance of, of how to use it, how to work with it, and how to work against it. And in kind of intertwining that action with the gun action, it's like, how did you find that, that nice balance that you did? Well, every movie you make is a balancing act. Mm-hmm. You know, the balance between a character's and the story and all the razzle-dazzle, the technical stuff. Yeah. You see films where the technical stuff is taken over, mm-hmm. and you've lost the characters, if they ever were there, and you've lost the story, because all that's happening now is one spectacle a moment after another spectacle moment. So you don't want that. And then you don't want to have the film have a pace where the audience is going, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. When's sure. something going to happen? So... Every time you shoot, every time you edit, you're trying to balance all these things. It's like a juggling act with yeah. five balls. And uh, keeping them all in the air and keeping them all in coming into your hand is the real art of it. Yeah, and when you throw in something that is as unpredictable as the weather, what does that become, you know, shooting, your shooting days, is you know, with the CG, with the, with the special effects and with the actual natural effects, it's like, how do you guys navigate around that? Because you've taken on... You know, one of our fans in here was like, what would this movie look like 20 years ago? It's like, well, 20 years ago we had we had Heat and we had Twister, but now we've got kind of the combination of them. So I guess what, I, I guess what my question is, is like, how did you, uh, how, what, were, what were those days like on set now with, with the balancing of the practical and the CG and, and the actors? Well, my first tenet when I started to visualize it in my head was... I want it all in front of the lens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My first thing is if it can be done in some way in front of that lens, that's how we're going to do it, even if it's hard. So we came up with these banks of 100-mile-an-hour fans, yeah. fans that were so strong. <laughs> Love it. Love movie making. If, if, yeah. you, if you jumped in front of that fan, you would land five, six feet behind yourself. Yeah. Just that's how powerful wow. they were. That sounds I so mean, fun. You could, <laughs> it, one of the times the guy tilted the fan and he got it on a pothole in, yeah. the, in the road, and it's, it started to dig up all the blacktop that's from crazy. the pothole. Wow. Because it's that forceful. So then you got to have debris in the air. And then, you know, in studying hurricanes, there was like this thick water. It kind of congeals and almost looks like smoke. So I said, all right, now we have to add this smoke element. So you get that, your actors are ready to go. You start the rain. We dumped six million gallons of water Ugh. in this film, in the filming. Six, six million, million gallons? gallons of water. <laughs> and you get the rain going, and then you get the rain right. Then you turn on the bank's 100-mile-an-hour fans. And then you kind of adjust the rain and the fans till you get that <laughs> horizontal rain in the shots. How do you communicate with your actors with all the sound? Are you headsets? Headsets and all this. Now now you add the debris, which is done with blowers. So they kick in. And then you finally add the smoke level, which is done by turbo ritters and smoke pots. Now you've got this enormous (laughs) wall of sound with this amazing amount of crap coming at the actors. And then you say... Action! And, and they come out of the car, 
And the minute their face is going like this, and well, crap is hitting them, and well, they can't stand up straight, and you, you, you know you're getting it. Yeah, yeah it's and so you get important. real performances because yeah. they physically can't move. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, we've covered movies that are up to 30 years old on this show, 40 years old, and it's, it, we've found that practical is the best way to do it. And when watching this film, you have to have those practical moments, or else it just feels like you're in a green or, or a blue room, which you yeah. don't feel that. No, I didn't want that. I mean, when you when we're in the Marvel universe. You yeah. expect that because it's a whole universe. Yep. And the yeah. lo- Newton, Isaac Newton, the laws don't apply. Sure, right. There's superhero people and various fantasy worlds. And it's fantastic what they do. And I, I love those films. But when you're saying we're here on Earth, and these are not superheroes. These yeah. are normal human beings. Then then the, the, you got to kick the ante up to a whole other level of reality. you got to right. say... You're in this hurricane. I want to put the audience in a hurricane and fighting for their lives in an action film within the hurricane. And how do I make that real to them and visceral to them? And that's how every decision was made. I think the description that you just gave us of how you created a hurricane is going to get clipped and put online as its own thing. Yeah. (laughs) I can imagine watching that on Facebook and just my jaw dropping. I have to go watch this movie now. I did not realize it was was that practical. You put it all... I didn't either. I mean, I figured it's 2018 now. There's... there's, You can do so much with a computer that looks practical, but for that... So how do you... (laughs) You're you're in the middle of playing God, setting up a hurricane, and then you've also got to give... Director's notes because the, the chemistry between Maggie Grace and Toby is is palpable. So, yeah. so how did you? Because you know drama is something that we talked about a lot er, earlier in your career, um, and so I think that you have your great moments of your strong drama between these two actors. How the hell do you do that when there's hundred mile an hour winds, debris, blowers, six hundred million gallons of rain happening? How do you go back to what is the heart of film, which is relationship and storytelling? Well, part of it is. The preparation. Yeah, right, right, right. 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 I, I worked very hard with all the actors ahead of time to fix the script, anything that needed changing, anything they yeah. had questions about and so on. But it's also allowing that relationship to grow in the reality that you're creating. Because when we shoot like the tower sequence where they're trying to bring down the microwave radar yeah, tower, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, microwave power to cut the villains off from being able to hack into the vault um you're on a set that we built because we were shooting in bulgaria and we had to build a small alabama coastal town and uh you know you're creating this environment so that by the time toby and maggie get through a sequence like that 11 nights of brutal shooting they're bonded yeah, right. Yeah. Right? They're, yeah, they're, they true. know each other and they've had to depend on each other just to survive within the scene. Yeah. So suddenly, <laughs> when you get a talk scene and the hurricane is pushed back a bit to yeah. give the audience a little breather and give the characters a chance to breathe, you then feel like these guys have become comrades. They, they have fought the elements together. Yeah. Not because it's an thing because right. it's a real thing it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's visceral it's, and, yeah. and you feel that you absolutely feel that in this one so i think that's really really cool so something you mentioned just a second ago drew came to mind for me you know we read all about you're the kid that found the sting that's right the, the, and that's something that <laughs> that's I, true you've had your whole career and, and that's unbelievable I, we were just talking this morning about how the difference in that movie and sort of its commercial appeal 
just even compared to the two films that won Best Picture surrounding it. The you Godfathers. Know, the two Godfather films. Yeah. It's like that movie was so uniquely positioned to be what it was, but such a drama. Yeah. And so, and the earlier parts of your career, you know, doing Dragon, those are such dramatic films. So, what what drove you to enter this this critical minefield that is the action genre? I mean, yeah. you, you know what you know. Critics are so hard on action movies; they're very they mean. don't want to like them. The, no, they, they, they hate. They really them. don't. So, they hate them and unless you're Ryan Coogler and sure. Black Panther, you know, and it's all politically correct for them to be. Of course, but those action movies are almost they're speaking more on social issues than they are the old school model of just an action movie. But you know, you you got to go my. My critics that I care about are the audience, of course, the mm-hmm. cinema score, the box office. You know, I've come to not expect anything from the critics but ugliness. Of course. And it's because not only do I do action films, I do action films in a certain way, which is they're a little bit gonzo. Sure. They're very thumb your nose yeah, at, yeah, yeah. at yeah. rules and so on. Which you and, should. And <laughs> that's why we love them. And <laughs> that's what I love. Yeah. But to them, it's meaningless, mindless, you know, I've heard all the adjectives of negativity. And, you know, I feel sorry for them, you know, because they have to live in this world. Well, I don't think that, like, I certainly agree with you that, yes, they are incredibly, they are incredibly critical of action movies. That's just something we've learned as we've gone back even to the the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and looked at these reviews. But, I mean, something like Fast and the Furious, which is, I would say, probably the movie that you get asked about the most. Right. For sure. That spawned seven sequels. Right. So, like, it, I don't know what they're talking about at this point if they want to, you know what I mean? F- Fast and Furious was panned yeah. by most critics <laughs> yeah. when it came out. And what was interesting was it, it was knocked by all the major guys and women. But at the end of the year, when they did their wrap ups yeah. of the year, yeah. after it was such a huge hit, they all. They didn't eat crow, but they oh, and Fast and Furious was my guilty pleasure. Yeah, right, right. guilty sure. pleasure. Such yeah. a, it's such a shitty phrase. Because it's like, no, it's just it's just you like it. Yeah. And you, and you should be proud of liking it. We stopped using that phrase on this show no. after like four weeks of doing it because it's funny. So were you a fan of Tony Scott's movies? Because I definitely uh, can course. see. Of course, he was a good friend of mine. Uh, he is, yeah, he's he like our wonderful. favorite. Like after doing this hey. show for as long as we have, you know, we talked about our favorite directors. Um... It has changed so much because Tony Scott, and, and, and it's something that you do as well, he, he has this amazing way of separating yourself from reality just a little bit and injecting such brilliant moments of drama in every single one of his films. Tony, you know, he's he lived under Rid's shadow, yep. Ridley's yep. shadow, but um, he was so full of life, that guy. Uh, such a charming guy to have dinner with. Yeah. And, you know, he was an over-sexed, over-energy kind of guy. We, yes. we went on a raft trip down the Colorado yeah. River. And, like, we, we get done fighting the rapids all day, and and everybody's, like, exhausted. Yeah. Tony's up rock climbing up a <laughs> cliff, you know. <laughs> Boy. So he was, he was the real deal, and I miss him every day. Yeah, we we do too, man. We talk about him regularly. Yeah, the reason I bring him up is because, again, you, you mentioned he lived in Ridley's shadow and talking about this ridiculous thing that critics have with action movies. It's only, I think, after the fact that people have gone back. There's like this revisionist history now on his movies where they look at him and they go, wow, there was this real style and this real energy here that's not common. It's not just part of the genre. And so when you start to go back, and, and that's why when we found out you were coming on the show, we were so excited to talk about all these movies that 
we've both seen almost every movie you've ever directed. Uh, yeah, right. absolutely. Thank you. Because and we so just wanted to fans. see them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I want to talk about with that is and it's something that you just mentioned in the critics and feeling sorry for them. And, you know, going back and looking at your films for the most part, and, and this is one reason why we love Rotten Tomatoes, is because, like, they'll show the top critics and the all critics, but the audience score is really what res, uh, resounds with us. That's the one that we really pay attention to. And you're known for always having a kick-ass audience score because you you do exactly what you talked about. You cater to the audience, the people that are going to watch your movies. So that brings to a good question, actually. So when you made Fast and the Furious, the the obviously the similarities to Point Break. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a similar. Story, I ripped right? it off. Yes. Did you love Point Break? Were you? I movie? love Point Break, and I and, and <laughs> I love it. And you know, somebody was saying something about guys should direct action movies. I I said no, that's bullshit. Catherine Bigelow directed the greatest, you know, kind of California action film yeah. ever. You're so speaking what, our language right so now. So when I when I was setting out and trying to develop the script of of <clears throat> Fast and Furious with a, a writer who's now more famous as a director, David Ayer. Yeah. Yep. He was my writer and I I said to him, "We need a plot. We need a really good plot like in Point Break." Yeah. Cuz Point Break's one of the greatest action films ever made. Ever so made, let's yeah. look at great before we wander off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's great there is a guy goes underground, undercover, and he's supposed to be doing a certain job, but the world infects him, and the people seduce him yeah. in their charisma and their dedication to each other and to the sport of surfing and so on. And he falls in love with a girl and da-da-da-da. Right. So we need... That kind of plot, and we looked at each other and went, "That's the plot." Let's just make yeah. Point yeah. Break. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just do that. Yeah. Let's do it in the car world. <laughs> Why not? And it worked perfect because you put the audience in the position of essentially being Paul Walker, and you fall as an audience member. You're like, "I want to do this. I'm going to go soup my car up, and I'm going to go race. Like that's my life." So the year before the skulls had come out, right? And you had worked with Paul already at that right. point, right? Yes. And then, you know, oh, yeah. Ahead. And so my question was, you know, obviously the duo of Vin and Paul once that movie came out was this big thing and it's been talked about for years now with all the sequels but when you first worked with Paul could you just tell there was something about him you just knew you wanted to put him in another film that was well you know in the skulls I wanted him to play the the son of a wealthy sort of dynastic family Mm -hmm. and you know Paul is in many ways the antithesis of that so I thought he had something we were having a reading in Mary Vernu the casting director's office and so I said you know I want to see that kid back and I want to talk to him before he comes back. And, and he got on the phone with me, and I said, Paul, I really want you to be in the Skulls, but I tell you the challenge. you got to sound like an Ivy League guy. you got to sound like a guy who went to Choate, Exeter, Andover, St. Paul's. I went to Harvard. Right. So I, wanted, I knew those people. I was not one of those people. I came from a town of 5,000 people. But, but I wanted that resonance of that... M- you know, upper class, one sure. percent yeah. kind of thing, and I said it comes down to language, like how you pronounce your words. You you don't go, hey, I'm coming over. You know, you don't do the surfer talk. You got to right. finish. I n g has yeah. to be finished. Diction. You don't yeah. chop off the g's. You have to speak specifically and articulately. And and he went home and he came back for a second reading and he had done it. And I went, okay, you're it. Now, in working with him, that's when the revelation started to come. Because, you know, Joshua Jackson is a, a yeah. tremendous actor. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's going to try to 
keep this thing balanced is going to be the like hard an ego part. thing is what you're worried about no just no the... just acting ability gotcha you know gotcha, you got gotcha. one guy who's got drama coming out of a season fingertips, and, yeah yeah and and the other guy is known to play a quarterback and right you know sure so uh, i just thought okay so we got into the scene where they're in the cages and yeah. the ritual of that right and you know Josh is trying to bust him. How'd you get the key? Where's my book? You know, you did, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah, Paul, <laughs> Paul is getting colder and colder and more and more imperious. I don't know, Lucas. Yeah. How did it get there? You know, and, and it's just that moment where Paul rose to the occasion and went toe to toe. And I took him aside and I said, I'm going to make you a fucking movie star. Fuck yeah. Yes. Okay? Love it. Yeah, because that's amazing. Because you got everything it takes. You can act. You got the looks God knows. You got to stop fucking my secretary because it's <laughs> f- screwing up my daytime life. And, amazing. And you, you got to, I'm going to do it. So cut ahead a year later, I'm in Maui where I had a home and I was taking up surfing and so on and. Who do I run into in this town of Paella? But Paul. Yeah. Of course. And and so I, we hugged and everything. I said, how you doing? And da, 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 let's have dinner tonight. He goes, okay. So we went to Mama's Fish House. And he said, well, what are you working on? I said, well, I'm, I'm developing something that I got you in mind. It could be really good. He goes, what's it about? I said, it's like about underground street racing, you know. Oh. He goes, well, let me ask you a question. You're directing, right? I said, yeah, I'm directing. Goes well. Do I get a gun? Yes. I, I said, yeah, you get a gun. He goes, do I get a fast car? I said, well, you get several fast cars. He says, do I get the girl? I said, yeah, you get the girl. Oh man. And and he, he said, I got a, you a fast car, a gun, and I get the girl. I'm in. Yes. I said, no, no, Paul, you got to get the script. You can't commit. I'm committed. Uh, I don't care what's on that page. If you just give me what I you just told me, yeah. I'm in. So I called up Universal and said, I'm casting Paul Walker as Brian yeah. O'Connor Spillner yeah. in, in the movie. And they went, well, there's no script. I said, well, he's given me his commitment. And I'll tell you something about Paul Walker. When he gives you a commitment, that's a commitment. Right? So make his deal. Yeah. And, and then it was, of course, to find Vin, to which, find a flavor to go with Paul. Which you got to, I mean, because Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, not only on the silver screen... Uh, and in box offices, but also just in our hearts, have become one of the most iconic action duos ever. Ever, yeah. And yeah. especially because, you know, the age that we're at, when Paul passed, mm. I, I don't know anyone that didn't cry at the end of that movie. And, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and I will always cry at the end of that movie. So how did you, because Maggie Grace and Toby are also an excellent pair, and they're both very talented. How'd you find Vin, and how did you figure that this guy could hang with your boy Paul? Well, you know, the studio, which always gets involved in casting. Sure. They they kept pushing Colin Farrell and I said, No, 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 no. For Vin no. Diesel's part. Yeah. Because he ends up in SWAT a couple years later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Similar kind of time but I, I just went, no, it's not right. You know, it's not that they're similar because they're so different. Yeah. But they're not different enough. Yeah. And I need a guy, I said, here's what I envision. I envision a very big man in a very small car. Yeah, because yes. that world is too small for him now. It's shrunk around him, right? And that's why he's doing the the hijacks and everything else because it's just not enough and it's too tight. So um, they well, who do you want? And I said I don't know. And we started seeing people, and it was all fake. It didn't work. 
one night I was watching cable or something and I saw Pitch Black. Yeah. And I went, okay, there's Dominic Toretto. Yeah. Standing there. With his muscles and his yeah. pose. So that was the movie. That was the movie. So I called him. Yeah. I had the agent get a meeting with me and him at, a, at the Four Seasons. And he was sitting there, and he had an attitude. Yeah. Right? He had a real tude. So I, I, I sat down, and I, I decided I would out-attitude him. Oh, nice. Because I picked up right away that either... You were the master, and he was the ri- the horse, or you yeah. were the horse, and he was the rider. Sure. So I decided I was going to be the rider. And so I sat down. I go, Vin, this is going to be a very short meeting. He goes, what? I go, I just want to know why everybody thinks you're a pain in the ass. Yes. No way. He goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? Everybody? I said, well, like I talked to my friend Steven Spielberg, and he, he said this about you and Private Ryan. Right. There's a reason we killed him off first. Oh, yes, dude. really? Oh, right? my God, that is amazing. And from that point on, he was chasing the part instead of accepting it as his due. And Gangster. that had to continue in the shooting, too, because, again, you want to make sure that an actor yeah. is allowing you to help him get to the place he needs to go and not presuming that he knows better than you. And that's why he's turning in a performance that's not ringing true. Because he's so clear that yeah. it's what he wants to do, and eventually we got past that, and and we mind melded, and he gave a wonderful performance in Fast, and then of course I developed Triple X, and I had to have yeah. him in that. But in the meantime, <clears throat> Paul yeah. became Paul in Fast, right? And then Vin became Vin in Triple X, yep. the combo of the two. Yeah, and you know I'm very proud that both of them and if Paul had lived, he, he'd yeah. be going off into a great future now. He'd be so popular. Yeah, Everybody yeah. loved him. He was an angel on earth. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those guys you read about on set that you just, you yeah. want to be like. You want to be you want to be that guy to everyone he, that you interact yeah. with. He, he was, he was yeah. a really good human being, and um, it's just horrible. Yeah, no, I miss him every day. He used to call me his movie dad. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that you took him and... I mean, I, I so I I act as well, and so to hear you say something like that, it, it's 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 touching when you're like, dude, I'm gonna make you into a fucking star just because he had what it took, just because yeah. he, he cared enough and he put in the work for you. So I don't know. It, our fans here usually we always I'm always interacting with the fans, but they're going nuts over they're loving the stories. They wish you could come back more often, yeah. uh, <laughs> as often as you invite me. Yeah, yeah, we should just. I mean, you should come back and do like daylight or fast. Any, yeah, movies. anytime. Full episode. Yeah, on you it. name it, I'll be there. So before we get short on time, I want to get to some of the other kind of segments that we had talked about. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. I think uh, let's let's maybe get into the first one here, talking about the uh, the Hollywood party scenario. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's change gears a little bit. Yeah, we. I mean, we had looked we had looked through your your catalog. And we started thinking about the number of actors and actresses, enormous ones that you have worked with, but also because of your unique history of kind of making things happen with the Sting and all the, the, the TV movies you were getting made and all these deals, making phone calls. We were like, this guy knows how to sell a movie. Yeah, I mean, he, you've written, directed, so. produced, found, you've done it all. So if you're going to the, the highest class Hollywood party and you got to talk to the head of the biggest studio and you want your dream project to get made, of every star you've ever worked with, Who's the one that you walk in on your arm and you're like, this is the person that this is going to be in my movie and we're going to get the project made? Who's the best wingman, wingwoman in the business? 
Michelle Rodriguez. Really? Yes. Cool. Yeah. That is that is amazing. Letty, I love what, it. Letty, what is it about you, her? You put Letty on your arm. You walk into the party. First of all, she's hot as yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But but not only that, she speaks her mind. Yeah. She is not afraid of the head of the studio. Yeah. She'll go and go. What's how's it hanging, dude? Yeah. Right. You know, she will get there, and you go. If you tell her, we got to sell him on this movie that you're yeah. going to be a co-star in or a star of, um, she will lay it out so flat yeah. and so unadorned and so ballsy. Yeah. Most men would should be as ballsy as Michelle Rodriguez. I can't imagine any world in which she says, tells me to do something and I say no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would tell this guy, and dude, if you're smart, yeah. you're going to do it. Yes. Are you going to do it? Yes. And then the guy's standing there, and he goes, well, I guess I am. Well, I'm smart, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> I gotta, you know. So, I mean, I with Stallone, with Schwarzenegger, you know, with Mel Gibson, with all these guys, they're great, and yeah. they know how to sell themselves and everything. But there's something about Michelle that's so fearless and and absolutely I don't give a fuck. Yeah. That, that's what carries the day sometimes I'll because bet. you have to make them think, you're not as smart as you think that you are. Yeah. Some people might even know more than you do. Yeah. And so many people are pussyfoot around these sure. executives, whereas Michelle doesn't give a damn. She's just, yeah. She doesn't even remember the name. That's amazing. So, okay, you're at the same Hollywood party now, and uh, you have the opportunity to make a remake of any classic action movie. Because obviously, Other than Point Break. You have, the affection, <laughs> you have the same affection for these movies that we do. So the ones- They shouldn't have remade Point Break. No, my God, Truth should told, not have. we both skipped it. We I, did. We, we were gonna, it's my favorite movie of all time. Movie all, yeah, we, we you're, you're, couldn't. You're good that you did because there are images in that you'd never be able to erase. Ugh, that's so, horrible. So. We know that they use too much CG just from the previews. We know that. So what's the what's the classic? I mean, obviously Death Wish comes out this weekend. What's what's the one that you watched that you, if you could remake, you would do it? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. I, I I think that uh, I might want to tackle the Dirty Dozen. Okay, oh, yeah, that's awesome. a cool one. Yeah, I think I'd like to get a movie like that where you have really, really defined bad guys. Sure. And you have really quirky characters, you know, because, you know, we all love Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai. Yeah. We, we even like the American version of yeah, it. Yeah, Magnificent yeah. Seven. But, but, and Fuqua's remake we actually like, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when you when you see, go back to Kira Kurosawa, you see a master at work and taking his sweet time to tell this very, what seems like a small story that really becomes a very large story. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, The Dirty Dozen with Vin and... And Jason yeah. Statham, and you know, we just cast sure, cool. the shit out of it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And Sly's doing that in a way with the Expendables, sure, uh, yeah, but, for sure. But there's a level of style and stuff that could be brought to that kind of movie that I could sink my teeth into. Dirty Dozen's got to be 40 plus years old now. It's like 70, 74. Am I way off on that? It's, it's back there. Yeah, it's around there. It's back there. Um, when we had Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've got other questions out there from fans, and one of them, Ingo Baum, asked this uh, about Daylight, which I thought was interesting because you told that amazing story of basically putting Vin in his place. Now, it was rumored that Stallone or Sly was quite the diva in the early 90s. How did you balance 
his personality and you're being the quarterback on set at daylight because I mean again cult classic we love it our fans love it and it seems like you did a pretty damn good job with Vin well here's how it worked with Sly <laughs> when I took on daylight I had seen an early screening of a movie called uh, uh, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Love it. One of my favorites. And this new guy, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And I said, having done the research in New York of the EMTs and first responders, I said to the studio, they wanted Stallone and I wanted Nicolas Cage. And I said, look, the guys I met had pot bellies, balding hair. They weren't a superhero. They were these Italian and Irish guys that just had the balls to go into burning buildings and all the stuff we saw yeah. on 9-11. And I said, they look like Nick Cage. Yeah. They don't look like Sly. Sure. Yeah. Right? So the studio, for financial reasons and everything, wanted Sly. So I went to meet with Sly, and I had a really good meeting with him. But I knew there's two slides, right? Yeah. So I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. So the other shoe finally dropped when a script arrived. Yeah. And in an envelope and a cover note, separate, that said, here, Mr. Stallone has done a rewrite on the script. <laughs> and he is. expects this is the film you're going to shoot. I didn't even read it. I just went into my mail room area yeah. with one of those big cutters, yeah. paper cutters, and I just cut that fucking script into banjo <laughs> chips. Yes, you did. Then, then I packed this confetti in another envelope, and I oh, and and brilliant. I sent it back to him, to his assistant. Yeah. And I said, "Dear Kevin, enclosed is the <laughs> script that you sent me. My opinion of it is obvious." Oh, we will man. shoot the script that I'm directing. Wow. And if Mr. Salone has a problem with that, here's my all my numbers. Oh, God. And I, I never heard from Sly. And we met when in Rome when we started shooting. And he never mentioned it. I never mentioned it. And we got along like house on fire. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It that. was just absolutely all the horror stories never once yeah. in that whole 110-day shoot under really difficult conditions and water and fire and mud and rats and the whole thing to yeah. create that collapsing tunnel and everything. Never once did he and I have an argument. And wow. it, and it, it was we, we just became like really good friends, and it, it was fun. And he is a really smart, smart man. But last June, uh, on my birthday, actually, I was at a party, and I got to spend about an hour with him hanging out and talking stories and stuff, and mostly just listening, because he's still, still alone. He's one of my heroes. And I was shocked that he was just the, the, little, like the literal nicest guy yeah. I ever met. I mean... Super entertaining. As he felt I knew what I was doing, and that's yeah. where he protects his ass. If you're a director, and you're off, off, right? then he's going to do everything in his power to get either you back on or you fired so someone else can listen sure. to him. My thing with him is I recognize that I'm talking to a man who wrote Rocky. Right. I'm talking yeah. to a man who's been an icon for all these decades, and I'm getting to work with him. Yeah. So I showed him all of that love and respect that I had for him as a viewer and as a, as a film lover. And, and when we had differences of opinion, he's really easy because he's smart. And you go, no, I'll tell you why that doesn't work. Right. In my opinion, right? Yeah. And then we'd fight it out, and we'd either find a compromise, or he'd go, all right, yeah, do it your way. 
you know? <laughs> oh, fuck it. So, so let me ask you, because Cage is one of our heroes on the show. I'd say there's, there's, we have basically four heroes of the show. It's Tom Cruise, Nick Cage, Denzel, yep. and Swayze. Yep. That's the four guys. Well, well Swayze, he threw it on his own. really just, really just hero, his but, favorite actor of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, know, I, like, I, I like Swayze. I, I spotted you as a dirty dancing guy from the minute I, I walked in I have a, yeah, I love dirty dancing. Ghost. <laughs> huge. Dirty dancing of the pistols he has above his yeah, bed. big fan, big fan. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're not kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you talked about Cage. Yeah. And so at, at the time... It's funny you say that the studio's like, oh, we don't want to work with this other guy, but then you know he rips off uh, Con Air, Face Off, and The Rock as his next three movies. So it's ridiculous, right? They but, missed it. They yeah. missed the boat. I'm glad I made the movie with Sly, but I wasn't wrong about Nick. No, you were dead on. Because I told them, he's going to win the Academy Awards. Ah, nah, that movie, that movie guy drinks himself to death. He's going to do anything. You know, the wisdom of studios you could put in a thimble. We talk about we talk about a lot that his five year run from ninety six to oh one as an action guy is maybe unparalleled. Like those three plus gone in sixty seconds, mm-hmm. throwing a couple others in there. Snake uh, eyes. Snake eyes bringing out the dead. <laughs> so but you've never gotten to to direct Nick Hitch. And his career at this point, he's kind of gone off in a yeah, whole other... Yeah, he's somewhere else. We don't know. Would you want to put him in something these days? I would. Yeah? I would, because I think that there's... There's an unpredictability about Nick yeah. that if it's somewhat contained, if you just can put some restraint yeah. and, and yet let him, you know, be the nuclear bomb in the middle of, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know, you could, he could come back. Oh, we, we talk about my this thing. all the time. Regularly. Oh, yeah, he could make a huge comeback. We, the stories that I hear about Cage on set are some of my favorites. We had, we had John Sheck, uh, who's now a friend of ours, come on for an interview, and he talked about doing uh, Arsenal last year with Cage. And Cage, you know, that, was the, that was the unofficial kind of sequel to Deadfall, I think. Yeah. And so you know, Cage has this prosthetic nose and this loud suit, and, uh, and I guess he walks in, and, and John's never met him before, but he's sitting there waiting, and all of a sudden, hasn't seen him yet, hasn't met him yet. Cage just walks in, new costume he's never seen before, big prosthetic nose, walks in, sits down, looks at him and says, hey, Jonathan, let's do this. And then just like, <laughs> and then it's like, and for the next 12 hours, he proceeded to do whatever he wanted, however he wanted, and I'm just like, that guy's my favorite. I just You're going to give these Cage. people the daylight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so we're kind of winding down, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, you have another project coming up, Speed Hunters. Is there anything you can't no, talk? That's no, that's done. Oh, that's it is. Off. Okay, the new project is uh, called Razor. Yeah, I read about that a little bit. Yeah, Razor okay. is a female-driven action comic. Nice. And created by Everett Hart, so the guy who co-created The, the Crow. Okay, sweet. Uh, and we just covered that like two weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I'm just beginning to... I wrote the script, and now I'm beginning to cast. Any uh, Anything you can give us? Any any ideas? We're at the very early stages okay. yeah, of the gotcha. casting. But, but you know, I'm, it, I wrote a edgy and kind of really cool script about... It's it's basically a slightly futuristic Joan of Arc story. Oh, cool. Awesome. There's a lot now. Uh, we're in this whole kind of new era of female-driven action movies. Mm-hmm. Really, the 90s, 80s was not nearly as much about no. it. You basically had like Linda Hamilton as a Gordon Weaver back then. That was it. Yeah. They were yeah. incredible. Incredible. But, yeah, nowadays you get a lot more. If you, and not just for this project, but in general... Any female action stars out there now, or even actresses that haven't done action, that mm-hmm. you've got your eye on, that you're like, I would love to work with that person. Someday. Well, the one we were talking about, the the young woman actress from Split, and oh, the, oh yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. Anya Taylor Jones is very hot. Joy, yeah, and Anya Taylor Joy is very high up on my list. Yeah, for she's incredibly talented. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah, she's really good. Yeah, yeah, that movie's so. movie's worth a watch. Yep. Right. Um, 
Uh, should we? Do we have any more fan questions we want to throw in? Uh, I mean, there was there was one more that I actually that I liked. I just wasn't sure if we had enough time, but I think we do. So you're definitely a man that's always known what he's wanted. You you know, at Harvard, you directed that that orientation film or recruiting film, essentially. Excuse me. Uh, and then from that, you're like, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to do this. The guy that hires you goes bankrupt. So you go and you you know you work in an animal shelter cleaning. And then you're like, I find this sting, and I want to be a producer, and I want to be a screenwriter, I want to act, and I want to direct. So how, did, how is it that you have done all of these things? So the question is, is, when did you know you wanted to go into the film business, and why? And then why is it that you stuck with directing, for the most part? When I was 16, I made a small film, not unlike Spielberg and other illustrious contemporaries. You know, I made a small Super 8 movie mm-hmm. that starred my sister. And it was a mor- morality tale, and and... When I got the pieces of film, and in those days you scraped them and glued it together, yeah, right? Sure. Right. when I saw that this shot cut to this shot actually had a language, and it, it was like, I know I shot this one on Tuesday, and I shot this shot on Saturday, but when you cut them together, it's the same, it's the same, same moment. moment, only told from a different perspective. The minute I saw what the film could do, I went, I'm going to spend my whole life doing this. And even though I went to Harvard and studied anthropology, it was always on an eye to, is this useful Mm -hmm. for for being a a movie director? But I came out here, and through a series of circumstances, including this bit of pulling a script out of a slush pile, reading it, and going, this is the great American screenplay, and making everybody crazy till they showed it, to the first studio. Yeah, your job was on the line. On you, the line. You were such a pain in the ass about it. Yeah. Which they, I love. They said, if I don't sell this to Universal in the morning when I have breakfast with this executive, this is my boss saying yeah. this, an agent, Mike Medavoy, a really good agent and good producer. Anyway, he said to me, if I don't sell it, you're fired. So now you tell me how good it is because I don't have time to read it. Yeah. So he went and he sold it to this guy Jennings Lang for a record price. Yeah. And he came back and... He went, okay, we're going to make you an agent, which was the worst (laughs) news I ever got. And one of the final good stories of this is when he hired me, he said, before we hire you, and I was working in the animal hospital, so to be a screenplay reader (laughs) in a clean corner of the agency called IFA, which became ICM, you know, I was like, I got it. I'm at least in the movie business. Yeah. I'm not in the dog shit business, <laughs> right? So I, he said to me, "Look me in the eye and tell me you want to be an agent because we don't want to hire a reader who doesn't want to grow into being an agent." And I, of course, I had no idea, no yeah. intentions. I looked at him in the eye and went, uh, "Yeah, I, I want to be an agent. Yeah, of course I do, <laughs> right?" So always have been. <laughs> so after I found the sting, I started to get offers from studios to be a studio executive. Yeah. You know, oh, this mm-hmm. kid who found the great movie to win the Academy Award, you know, maybe he's got something. Yeah, right. So I started getting these offers. And then when I took one to go to Fox, 20th Century Fox, the, the executive was going to call Mike. And I said, he's going to kill me. I've seen him. He tells people he's never, they're never going to work again and blah, blah, blah. And I lied to him. And, you know, so they... I'm waiting for Mike to get the call and come down and fucking, you know, yeah. skewer me. So he comes down. He goes, hey, babe, they want you at Fox. I went, yeah. He goes, you want me to make your deal? I said, well, yeah, that would be an honor. I go, aren't you mad at me? He goes, no, let me tell you something. When I asked you if you wanted to be an agent and you looked me in the eye and said you could be an agent, you wanted to be an agent, I knew you could be an agent, and therefore... Um, 
you lied straight to my face, I knew you'd be a great agent. <laughs> so, Mike Metaboy. Mike Metaboy. And here we are. When you found it, just just get curious, because I love that movie. It's one my dad made me watch when I was a kid. Um, did you have Newman and Redford and George Roy Hill in mind, or that all just happened with the studio? And I, In the coverage I wrote, yeah. I said, this is going to take two huge stars and one huge director that can handle those stars. Yeah. And if that happens, this film will win the Academy Award. And I put that in black and white when it was a slush pile script. Yeah, right. And what was great is that Universal, when they bought it, they gave it to Zanuck and Brown, and that Zanuck and Brown had just made Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Right. And being smart producers like they, they were, they had a ready-made package. They went to George, they went to Bob and to, to Paul, and they put it together within two weeks. So within two weeks, it yeah. really was the sting. That is so crazy. That's such a, and it's such a good movie. Yeah, it's so good. Classic. George Roy Hill. Does he play? Is Jackie Gleason that he plays cards with in that movie, or am I mixing that up with? No, it's it's, it's, it's Robert Shaw. It's Robert Shaw. <coughs> yeah, Jackie with. Gleason's in the. That's the hustler. The hustler. He yep. Minnesota Fats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minnesota yeah. Fats. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, man, today has been an honor. I know the fans were going nuts. They they just loved all these awesome insider stories. Yeah, there's and... going to be a ton of threads on Facebook and Twitter, <laughs> and everybody's going to be talking about it. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we'll we'll call Sly for comment. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, it's been great fun sitting with you. Yeah, man, we're going to bring and I you love back. your show because, you know, <laughs> it's it's like there's a dark matter called yeah. critics, and then there's the antimatter, which yeah. is you guys. Yeah, we, we're critics that just talk about movies we like. It's, yeah. We don't have yeah. to get some highbrow yeah. movies that are awesome we talk about. That's the point. Well, that's the kind of talk that matters, yeah. as long as we're doing antimatter and dark matter. What matters is the love of movies. You, you, when you direct an action film, you're directing one of the most c- technically demanding yep. kinds of movies there are. Sometimes I look at these dramas and I go, well, what'd they do after lunch? Right. You know, it, they're people sitting in a dining room talking. Now, of course, shaping performance, all that's really tricky and very... But when you realize that a guy could do a day where he's making five or six shots yeah. of people talking, and then you come and you go, well... I'm going to have these three 18-wheelers running away from the eye wall of a hurricane. And We've got 20 different setups. You know, and, you know, we, and it's got to tie into the visual effects, and we're going to blow this up, and we're going to have to tie yeah. in here, and the actor has to do this. You know, it's such a different level of film craft yeah. that I wish they would just respect the craft. If they don't like the genre and they don't like the directors who do it, just respect how complicated it is to pull off an action film. Yeah. And then maybe everything would be a little better. They come on set, they give you, just throw them in front of the fan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 All right, I think that's going to pretty much wrap us up. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Mr. Cohen, thank you so much for coming. This was unreal. I, I, I can't wait to go rewatch this and listen to the stories again. All right. Uh, but, uh, guys, if you if you want to follow along with any of the exploits, you can follow me personally at Ben Bateman Media, the podcast at AMA Podcast. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. And, guys, go and watch Hurricane Heist yeah. next week, March 9th. Yep. Go watch it. Do yeah. it. We go. did it. Be like us. Yeah, be like <laughs> us. Go watch the movie. Talk about it. Tweet about it. Uh, you know, and, and leave your thoughts on the Facebook and everything like that. So, again, thank you so much for coming. It was and, a uh, pleasure to be here and meet yeah. you guys and was, talk to you. It was a blast. All right, guys, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. 
would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.